Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking into our lives and guiding and directing us. Lord, we pray this morning to have open hearts, open minds to learn, to receive, and to be changed to be more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In 1947, a man named William Samillo worked as a bus driver in New York in the Bronx. And after 16 years of driving a bus, he was really sick of it. He said, I am tired of everything about it. And specifically, he said, driving in New York is like driving in a squirrel cage. I've got to get out of this. So one day, he got up like he always does, and he went to work like he always does. And he got into his bus like he always does, and then he drove from New York to Florida and spent two weeks on a beach because <laughs> he couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? feel like I'm just, I'm done. I <laughs> can't take it anymore. I just need to go to the beach and get away from all of it. Work, kids, family, whatever. I just got to get away from it. I've had enough. Peter knows we all have points where it's just, I've had enough. I'm done. But this morning, as we bring to a close our study in 1 Peter, there's one particular thing that he's going to say to us this, don't give up on. Don't stop doing this. You're going to be tempted to. Don't stop doing this. I invite you to open up your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's on page 1728. Like I said, we'll finish this chapter. We're actually going to scoot into chapter 2 a little bit today uh, because the thought keeps going even though there's a chapter break there. 1 Peter chapter 1, page 1728, if you're in the Pew Bible. And we are in verse 22. He's going to tell us what not to give up on. He's going to tell us why. And he's going to tell us a little bit of how we don't give up on it. Verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. So Peter, as he comes to the end of this first part, he says, because you've been purified already, because you obeyed the truth. And, and if you look back at the beginning and read through this chapter, you'll see here's what he means. He's talking to a group of people that have trusted Christ and have been cleansed by him and set apart. Right? And set apart to a, a point where he says, so that you have sincere love for each other. Um, here is something that is like, I, I, Peter can't get around this. If you are following Christ, if you've trusted him, there is no way 
you cannot have love for one another. Because it was so much a part of his teaching. You think of his last night where he says, another command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. And it's by this all people will know you're my disciples. You know he doesn't say that about anything else? That's the one thing. He doesn't say your creed or your worship style or your church building. None of those things. He says, it's how you love one another. That's how they're going to know that you're my disciples. And he talks about love over and over again. The gospel passage we read. Keep my commands and you'll love me. There's so much about him teaching on love. There's no way you couldn't love one another. So he assumes it. He says, since you've trusted Christ and you're following him, you have a sincere love for one another. But now he gives the command. That's the assumption. The command is, love one another deeply from the heart. Um, occasionally, I talk about translations, and this is one where I need to talk about it. The adverb in there, deeply, what modifies that love one another command is the point. Right? You're already loving each other. But he says, I want you to love deeply, although I don't think that's a good translation. Um, and I'm not alone, by the way. When I talk about translations, I am not a Greek scholar. I can make my way through Greek. I do a decent job with it. I rely on actual scholars when I make translational decisions. Um, and in this case, that word can mean deeply or earnestly. Um, in fact, you'll see it translated a number of times. It's actually only in the New Testament a handful of times. But often it's with prayer, and it's they pray earnestly. Um, and so it's that idea of like really throwing yourself into it. Um, the problem with that translation is, number one, he's already said you have sincere love. And he says, love each other from the heart. Um, it's very redundant to say, and earnestly do these things you're kind of already doing in a way. And here's what led me to a different translation. We're about to read the reason why. The reason why makes no sense if you translate this as earnestly. Um, I spent like an hour going, I don't get it, God. <laughs> like this, this, this isn't an explanation. There's no logic behind these two things. And then I'm reading all these scholars, and I realize this word can also mean this. Longevity, perseverance, don't give up. Here's what Peter is saying. You are loving each other right now sincerely. Don't give that up. Don't stop doing it. You'll be tempted to, right? So be honest. Have you ever been tempted to not love one another in the church? Have you had some people that you really didn't want to love? Um, Some people that really just rubbed you the wrong way for any number of reasons. It might have been your issue. It might have been theirs. But people have often been treated poorly in the church, and it can be hard to keep loving one another. And that's why Peter says, don't give up on this. Do not stop this really important teaching that Jesus gave. It is central. It is the thing that people will know you're his disciples. And it's so inherent in his teaching. Like you cannot give this up. And so the command is this, what you're doing now, however imperfectly, however much you struggle with it, whatever, but that love for each other, don't stop doing it. Keep it going. 
right? I read a great story about what it looks like to keep going. This young man, he's 17 years old. His name is Liam, Liam Gardner. And he rode his bicycle from Alaska to Argentina. If you try and map that on Google, it can't figure it out. (laughs) It's 20,000 miles that he biked. Took him 527 days of biking. And in an interview, he was describing moments where it was tough. (laughs) And you can imagine there are a lot of them, but this is part of the interview. He said, there was a single moment on my trip where I considered skipping a large portion because of the nature of the road and the weather. I had a friend with me for eight months, another cyclist who just happened to meet on the road, and we were biking through southern Mexico. We had just been robbed a week and a half before. We didn't have cell phones. We were using internet cafes for everything. We had no contact, no maps. We were asking people for directions. And at the same time, it was over 100 degrees every single day in the jungle. They finally made a pact where they said, if this keeps going, we, we've got to stop. Um, thankfully, when they got to Guatemala, it cooled down, and so they kept going. But then he had this experience. Um, in the interview, it says, at one point, you came to a fork in the road where you had to really decide, as if all of that wasn't enough. Um, here's what happened. Um, he says... Um, He was going down a road, and there was a pothole, and he didn't see it. And it was a day he wasn't wearing his helmet. He's going downhill. He hit the pothole, flipped, tore his ear open, and he said he was unconscious for about 10 minutes. (laughs) They had to take him. They did surgery, and it was a month and a half where they had to stay there. He still didn't give up. (laughs) He still kept going. And he says, um, because the guy asked him, he said, was there ever a point where you finally just said, that's enough? Like, I can't keep doing this, whether it's weather or injury or something. And he said, no, I knew no matter what happened, even if I lost an arm, I was doing this. Whether I was dead or alive, I was getting to my destination. I was not going to go home until I accomplished it. And he did. 527 days on a bike. 20,000 miles going through all of this. That's not giving up. Plenty Plenty of reasons, plenty of moments, and he doesn't give up. And he's 17. We, as the church, as disciples of Christ, don't give up. Love one another, even when it's hard. And here's why, or at least one of the reasons why. Go back into the text. Peter continues, verse 23, For you have been born again. And he's already said this back in the beginning. We talked about the inheritance. We talked about becoming part of God's family. He says, you've been born again, um, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And then he quotes Isaiah, For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So he makes this point. He says, I don't want you to give up ever because you have been born of an imperishable seed. Um, You have been born of something that lasts. It doesn't stop. It doesn't give up. Your very nature now is one of imperishability. And it comes from the Father. You've been born into his family. You've been born to be like him. And because you have an imperishable seed, an imperishable life, that is now your nature. And you're the child of God who is the same. Live into that nature. Live into that. Don't don't let things stop. Don't just give up. But look at loving each other in the same way. Forgive me, I'm having real issues with this thing today. Um, Look at loving each other in the same way as that seed in you, an imperishable thing where you don't ever stop. And because your father has shown you, hey, listen to this. You were loved when you were a sinner. Not when you did your best and you did everything right. You're still loved as a sinner. You are still loved every day, even when you turn on God. You are like the prodigal. I am like the prodigal. And the most beautiful picture of the prodigal son, that story, is the son coming back. And where is the father? He's out looking for him. He didn't know when the son was coming back. How often is the father doing that? Every day. Looking for the one who took the inheritance gave his dad the finger, and took off and wasted it all. And here's the father looking for him. Because that's what God is like. Which means we're called to be what? Like that. You're born of an imperishable seed. Let that sink in. It's your nature. So I want to show you something to talk for a moment about nature. Go ahead and go to the first slide. Uh, One, there you go. Um, I wrote this. Happy Mother's Day to all moms. I also wrote the next one. I know that looks like a drunk toddler wrote that, but I wrote one of them with my right hand, and I wrote one of them with my left. I am right-handed. Guess which one I wrote with the left hand? (laughs) I don't know how good you are with your opposite hand, but I cannot throw as well. I cannot catch as well. I cannot write as well. I cannot do anything as well. Um, Yesterday, I was vacuuming the house. And I told told my wife, so for Christmas, we got this new vacuum. It's a a wireless, you know, vacuum, a cordless vacuum. And um, I do a lot of chores around the house. But apparently, I don't vacuum. Because it's May, and I'd never used this thing before. <laughs> it's my first time. So I'm out there vacuuming, and like you have to hold this button to keep it going. And my finger kept getting tired. Finally, I switched to my left hand. I can't even vacuum with my left hand. The thing's like getting out of control, and I can't like... I'm so retarded with my left hand. <laughs> but you know what? It's because, by nature, you are right or left-handed. 
And I mean, really. Or you may be both. Uh, very few people are that. Um, about 10% of the Western world is left-handed. But do you know that early in the second trimester, before the child comes out, they already show which thumb they prefer to suck on? Like, you are born one of these ways. And, and you could do the other one if you want to, but it's not your nature. It's not what you were made to do. You were born of God to keep loving each other, even when it's hard. You were born not to give up, but to continue doing it. And then Peter tells us a little bit of why. And this is where we'll end. He actually gives us two brief things. He says, chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. He says, I want you to keep loving each other, and here's one of the ways you do that. Rid yourself is a language that Scripture uses a lot to take off. They often, scripture often envisions certain things as like clothing items. And he says, take this off. Like, get rid of it. Throw it away. Don't let it be something that stands between you and the person you're loving. And what do we do with these things? This malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. We use those things to selfishly gain something or to protect ourselves. But they are all things that stand between us and loving somebody. You can't be hypocritical with somebody and really love them. You can't be envious of them and really love them. You can't slander them and really love them. He says, I want you to think of those things like clothing that you just, you take that off and you throw it away. Those things will keep you from loving each other. And on the flip side, he says, do this. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. If you've ever seen a child who is a baby who gets hungry, what do they do? Do they let you know? Yes, they do. And there's no way you will not know. Um, they will scream and cry and, because they crave that milk. He says, I want you to crave spiritualness, spiritual milk, um, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hey, go back to everything that God has done. Go back to everything he's described. All of these ways that God has loved us and saved us and brought us into our family and he keeps loving us and forgiving us and you've tasted the goodness of God. Grow into that so that it more and more becomes your reality. Right? Instead of those things where you have to be envious of others and jealous and you have to slander them and you have to be malicious and hypocr hypocritical, instead of those things, grow up into who God is because God has not treated you that way. God has loved you much differently. Love others that way. And I read this one commentator who said, he is not, when it says crave spiritual milk, he doesn't mean join a bunch of Bible studies. He doesn't mean go just gain a bunch of knowledge because knowledge puffs us up. Now, it involves those things. But if you want to grow up in the Lord, 
It means participating in the spiritual life. It means regular prayer. It means being a part of a community. But it also means serving. It means putting yourself out there. It means learning who Jesus is. And then as we've been talking about for the last two weeks, living and making decisions that he would have made. At one point, Jesus talks about knowing the truth. But he says, if you abide in my word, and that doesn't mean you keep reading it. It means you do it. If you do my word, then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. You can't even know spiritual truth without somehow living into it. And it might be, you know, you may fail at it, but part of that is the process too. You've tasted the goodness of God. Now live into it. So I saw this in a, in a very small way. My four-year-old prays every night. If I'm being honest with you, he has a better record than I do. Um, because there are nights where I just, by the time I go to bed, I'm just tired and I fall asleep. Like I'm, but he prays every night. And the prayer is very simple. We always start this way. We say, God, thank you for. And then he begins to say the things. And, and, and as you say it to him, you'll go, Kelton, it's time to pray. And he like gets a smile on his face. <laughs> Like, he's, he's ready. It's, it's as if he tastes that the Lord is good. I know that's probably not it. But this is what happened this week. And it was so amazing. I said, all right, Kelton, let's pray. And he gets the big smile and he goes, I said, God, thank you for my family, is what he said. And I was like, oh, like he is learning. Like, he is like, this is, the, that's, that, that, that's it. I'm, then he kept going, and Mama's family, and Sissy's family, and High V's family, and <laughs> he doesn't quite get it, but he's moving in that direction. And here's the thing that I want to say about him: he's doing it every single day. That's how you grow up in the spiritual life. You can't grow up in the spiritual life by coming to church on Sunday. You won't get very far. It's an every day, every part of your life. I mean, in some ways, he was right. Mama's family, Javi's family, everybody's family. Like he, did, he wants everybody. He's thankful for all of it. It's all connected. It's what we do every day in everything that we are doing to grow up in our faith. That's how we keep loving each other. And that's what Peter says to bring this part to a close. Keep on loving each other. William Samillo came back to New York on an indictment of grand larceny <laughs> for stealing a bus. <laughs> but he also came back as a hero because every other bus driver that worked there <laughs> They all wanted to do what he did. And when he got back, he literally got an ovation. <laughs> they clapped for him. They raised money to pay for his legal fees. <laughs> and eventually the charges were dropped. And his son 
said this, my dad got the worst possible consequences for his actions. He was given his job back. (laughs) But you know what? That is life. There is no escape from the hard things to the beach forever. We are going to annoy each other, get on each other's nerves, hurt one another, make each other mad. We are going to do that. Your choice is leave our church and go find another one until they do it to you, and then you leave that church and go to another one until they do it to you, or you can just become a bitter person. And you can just not like people. Or you can listen to Peter. You can listen to the inspired word of God. Don't give up on loving each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you did not give up on us. Thank you that you continue not to give up on us. We do plenty of good things and have moments of faith in our lives, moments where we love and we serve, and yet we also have those times where we don't. And yet you keep loving us. Help us to be the same and to continue to love each other no matter what because that's how you treat us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.